0: Dr. Murray Cohen, Jerry, worked 20 years for the CDC. He is what you would call an expert, and And he joins us now. He
1: does. Good morning, Dr. Cohen. And good morning to both of you. Now, do I recall correctly? I think if we didn't have you on the air, you were on a lot of national shows with the whole Ebola pandemic. Were you not? Uh, I'm the same guy. Yes, sir. That's what I thought. Yeah, you were with the CDC for how long?
2: 21 years. Twenty with The years. World Health Organization, working with them for 10 years after that. Wow. When when
0: people talk about Ebola and other viruses we've had, and this one's worse than the other one, and I, I think it's kind of reckless to start comparing them because they're all different in different points. But with this coronavirus, are you surprised how big it's got and the media attention it's received?
2: Not at all. Uh, we've actually been preparing for this a long time, supposedly. Uh, The first task force I was a part of at CDC was back in, oh my gosh, uh, 1992, where we put a report together on the problem of emerging pathogens and what we might be expecting. And sure enough, uh, unfortunately, we were right.
1: Dr. Murray Cohen is with us this morning talking what else, corona. Were you familiar with Dr. Uh, Fauci uh, before COVID-19? You must have been, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've
2: yeah. been with for a long time. Uh, actually, we met uh, for the first time back in 1989. Um, he was still in the position that he's in now, the head of uh, uh, National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases <clears throat> at the NIH. And I was at the CDC chairing uh, a, uh, a national uh, HIV-AIDS conference with the Surgeon General Coop, who I worked for. Uh, and then I spent a lot of time at the NIH, um, Oh, in the last – well, since anthrax in the mail <clears> – <throat> excuse me. Uh, I did cough into the crux of my arm, by the way. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: and you called Dr. Fauci Tony. Yeah. I'm impressed by that. Yes. Hey. Well, we uh, I had a, an office down the hall from him for a couple of years at okay. the NIH in building,
2: building 31. So, you know, it was uh, – You know, we bump into each other in the men's room, that sort of stuff. Yeah, Yeah. right, right.
1: Hey,
0: what's your thoughts? And I know the World Health Organization has taken a lot of heat. Do they deserve it?
1: Yes
2: and no. Um, But like all institutions, it's imperfect. Uh, But it's what we got. You know, and the option of not having them is worse than whatever's wrong with it. Um, And just jumping ahead, imagining, you know, anticipating your next questions – What's wrong with it from our perspective in the United States is the same thing that's wrong with the United Nations because it's a United Nations agency. So it has all that underlying United Nations politics, which certainly doesn't pay enough attention to things like infectious diseases, just like, frankly, our own politics hasn't really paid enough attention yet, Uh, uh, but they are now to infectious diseases.
1: And you're calling from uh, Panama. You're kind of self quarantined down there. What's it? Is it similar? <laughs> is it similar to our situation here? I mean, you see, uh, you know, on satellite or the same news we do. What, what do you think? What's going on here? Are we through the worst of it?
2: I'm afraid not. Um, we're probably getting close to the worst of it, but I say probably because we don't really know. To me, yeah. the worst mistake we made. Uh, and we here is the blame, as far as I'm concerned, equally with the FDA and the CDC, is we didn't get onto testing, and we didn't get onto the right kind of testing. Um, what we have is diagnostic tests, where they actually measure the virus when you are infected. What we need for public health surveillance purposes is an antibody test, where you can determine with a very simple, cheap, fast, uh, almost like a home test kit. Who has been infected and developed antibodies and is now resistant, as far as we know? That's what you need to know about how much disease is in the population. Um, CDC and FDA blocked that kind of testing um, all of January and February. FDA, as far as I know, when they finally approved one such test last Friday, it was the first time.
1: Wow! Yeah.
0: Yeah. So- and, and they're rolling those they were- out. They're rolling those out soon. Correct. And how hard is oh, yeah. it to get – how hard yes. is it, though, because we had a hard time getting the tests originally and, you know, we we were told, hey, they're going to get here, and then they delayed in that. With the antibody tests, can they roll out 20, 30, 40, 50 million of them?
2: This is America. We can do anything.
0: <laughs> I we like should
2: that. Be to, uh, should be able to roll out 150 million of them. Let me, tell you, let me tell you how simple this test is. By the way, they were doing this in, in China and Singapore and – uh south korea in january and we had the opportunity here to do it and we turned it down fda in fact blocked, very famously blocked initiative by the association of public health laboratories to develop and do such testing and they said nope you can't do it Mm. so so when it it comes time to do a post-mortem on this epidemic uh those are going to be some of the bodies that unfortunately we'll look at but for now we just need to get on it this test is simple um, it's like a, it's called a serology test, meaning they're measuring blood. So typically it's like testing your blood sugar. You take a little prick of a finger, you get a drop of blood, yeah. you mix it with a reagent, stick it on a, a strip of paper, and then you see what color it turns in 10 minutes. So that kind of test could be a home test yet. Certainly, for me, the smartest thing would be to roll it out like we do flu shots because we get – Hundred million of those out, you know, within three to four weeks during flu sure. season in September, and and you do it through um, through hospitals, through lab core test places, through uh, pharmacies. So all we got to do is push this new product into the same supply chain that we've already got, and that should be pretty easy.
1: Yeah, we're talking with uh, Dr. Murray Cohen, formerly of the uh, CDC and the World Health Organization. How effective, you know, wear them, don't wear them? Now, uh you see everybody the mask, is the mask is a, uh, I know the distancing has been proven effective. How about the mask?
2: Well, the mask is very effective for what it does, but unfortunately a lot of us are misusing it. So let's talk about exactly what it does. Please, please. The, N- the N95 that we talk about is, is a healthcare worker protection mask. That's designed to be the same protection from viruses and bacteria for healthcare workers that um, industrial respirators are for dusts and mists and fumes, you know, in, in factory workers. Okay. Uh, so, so it's specifically designed for that. That means the wearer of that can be in the midst of an entire storm of, you know, airborne storm of virus and be protected. A surgical mask or any other kind of mask doesn't do that. It doesn't protect the wearer from inhaling particles. What it does is it prevents someone who's infectious from some spitting out, likely, yep. from Got exhaling it. out the virus. So it's really used to protect everybody else. In this circumstance of the where the epidemic is now, since nobody even knows if they're infected. And we do know that certainly 25%, maybe as many as half, of the transmission occurs from people who are asymptomatic. Means they don't have any symptoms yet. It's very early in the infection, and they could be shedding virus and infecting other people. So that's why we really have to wear it. Yeah. I- um, and the reason. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. I was I- to say the, reason, the reason for the six feet has to do with aerodynamics. Um, you know, it's like how how far can you sneeze or cough or spit mm-hmm. or talk um, one of these viruses out in a particle that can hurt somebody else? And the aerodynamics is complicated, but generally speaking, um, probably four, four and a half feet is as far as it's going to go. And it's not going to linger and float around in the air like influenza because these virus particles are called droplets. They're just are too big and heavy. Mm-hmm. They're like wet sided basins in the air. They're not like uh, dust that
1: you see a uh, sunbeam. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, so so that's the city. by the way I gotta tell you something funny, because I know because you, you guys are pretty fun. Well take
1: funny stuff. doc. <laughs>
2: one of my be- one of my best friends down here in Panama is uh a retired Navy. He's a uh, annapolis academy grad. <laughs> so he brought me this poster that somebody mocked up for the epidemic.
1: Uh-huh
2: it says Due to COVID 19, the Navy Blue Angels will cease operations because they cannot stay six feet apart. <laughs>
1: also,
2: the Thunderbirds will continue operating at their regular schedule. <laughs> That's good. But well, he's a Navy guy. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah, I get it. Ex- ex- exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I thought that that would, that would fit with you guys. We were talking yesterday to. Uh, to some sight to uh, fishermen, I guess. Yes, yes. The deadliest
0: catch, yes. Dr. Murray Cohen's with us, and I wanted to ask you now, I have a uh, family member that's a top, uh, runs an ER for a university, and he wasn't endorsing this, but I was having a discussion about Sweden with him, and he said, listen, I'm not saying they're doing the right thing, but as a doctor, I'm really interested in the herd mentality to what becomes of this, how they are, is their country's what's going to happen to the virus there compared to other countries. As a doctor, are you kind of looking at Sweden, kind of with eye open, kind of interested in what happens there?
2: I don't personally know anything about Sweden, so because they don't have restrictions area, like we do, they're they're they're, they're taking lock the, Yeah, they're
0: taking the herd mentality as their stance.
2: Well, when you say herd mentality, I think what you're they're probably referring to is is herd immunity. Yes, and that's that's the way that, that vaccines works. Let's 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 talk a little bit about that. I don't want to get too geeky. So mm, keep okay, me, you know, okay, too, but um the reason we're able to live and survive in a world that is frankly the microbes world, the viruses, the the molds, the bacteria, there's so many billions of them and there's just not that many of us. This is their world. So we have to survive. We live all day every day in an equilibrium with all of these microscopic uh, organisms that are challenging us. And we do that because our immune system keeps us in balance. When we get out of balance and we start losing, that's when we get sick, that's when we get an infection. So, and, and the way the immunity works, once you're immune to these viruses anyway, you develop what's called immune memory. This is how the flu vaccine works, for example. It gives you the, gives you the shot so your, your immune system is primed to look for that particular challenge. And then if and when it sees it during that flu season, it immediately gins up you know, to produce so much more mm-hmm. uh, immunity, and, and then you win. You don't lose that, that fight at that time. Then you're immune for the rest of the year, roughly speaking, to that flu virus, those particular strains that are in the vaccine. So if you're the flu, from the perspective of the flu, and you're out looking, trying to propagate yourself and trying to find somebody to infect – You got to find somebody who hasn't already been infected and become immune naturally, or who hasn't got the vaccine. So the herd is when you've got the herd, the population immune, then
1: the virus doesn't
2: have anybody left to infect, and so it dies off. That's the end of the run of that particular epidemic.
1: Yeah, and and yes, it does make sense. In Sweden, small enough to be able to probably. 10 million Pull people. that off yeah. as opposed to our 320 or whatever million. Yeah. That makes – if I had to boost my immunity, is there an – what one supplement would I take? Maybe? Quit drinking, Jerry. Would I – yeah. Is it is – it, no, is it zinc? Is it vitamin C? What does the average person do to boost their immunity if you're in middle age? Uh, I'm sorry. That's not my area of expertise. Well, yes. ma- <laughs> make something up. Make, make me feel good, doctor. I, 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 I'm not – I'm not that kind of doctor. Yes. I will tell you what I have
2: said, though, some, somewhat jokingly, and then a bunch of us were talking about it, and it's probably not a bad idea. The, the particular coronavirus that causes COVID-19, and the reason that it, it spreads so well asymptomatically is because once you, you don't really inhale it down into your lungs. Um, you get it into your nasal passages. You get it into your throat. You get it into your cheeks just in the course of normal breathing and it starts to multiply. It, it, the cells that it likes to invade live in these mucous membranes of the human body. So already, your immune system is ginned up. You, when you don't get sick, it's because your immune system is fighting them off, just like all the other junk you know, that you're getting into your nose and mouth when you take a breath. What it does, it kind of takes residence in your throat, and when you get sick, it's because, you know, it starts winning the battle against your immune system, and then you breathe it down into your lung. It, it, to get to your lungs, it has to go through your throat. So that's why a sore throat is usually, not all the time, uh, an important early symptom. Uh, that's why a slight fever, perhaps 99.5 Fahrenheit, is where you start to have a bit of immune response, but you don't feel bad. That's what we call that a low-grade fever. But that's where your immune system is heating your body up to try to make an inhospitable environment for the virus. Oh, And so during during this time, um, I'm sure you read a lot of home remedy things about gargle with with warm salt water. I happen to like gargling with lemon water or even a normal mouthwash to clear your throat so that whatever might be stuck there and starting to colonize, you clear it out and spit it out. So I thought maybe I should... Gargle with my bourbon every
1: night. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. There's nothing wrong with the Woodford Reserve gargle. No. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm a.
2: An N of one, a study subject of one, and so far it's been working for me, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now,
0: now, obviously, Dr. Cohen, you can't, you know, they say, well, it's not safe and we're not going to be back to normal for 18 months, and that just, uh, the reality is it's that that just can't happen. You can't sit in your house for a year, year and a half. But what should they do if you were recommending, if you were on the President's counselor? Uh, talking to one of the governors, what would be the best path or maybe you don't have the answers, but what are some of the things we should be doing once, you know, May 1st or May 15th happens?
2: My crystal ball gets real foggy after about lunchtime today.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: that's where the bourbon kicks in. You're off. on
1: Panama time. <laughs> but,
2: but, but I can't I, I can make some. Epidemiologists are you know often called Sayers of sooth, or one of the curses is we can see the future and there's usually something ugly we don't wanna see. Yeah. Because well, that's what we're trained to do. You know, we look at data and where we've been and we try to figure out where's it going. So I've got some pretty clear pictures of where things are going, irrespective. Of, I mean, however the governors and the president, you know, take do things. What we know is there's gonna be continued spread. Hopefully we won't start getting people out and about. Prior to the amount of spread, you know, what they call it, flattening the curve, tapering off, et cetera, a certain amount of that is because of herd immunity. There's so many people who have gotten infected and we don't have any clue who they are because we haven't done antibody testing. Well, we're going to start doing antibody testing, and that's going to give us some pretty solid data pretty quickly, I think probably within four to six weeks of where the epidemic's been and about what kind of percentage of the population is actually infected, who the higher risk groups are, instead of just guessing. The data we have so far, the tests for diagnostic purposes, are useless for these kind of public health concerns. Useless. First of all, it's only getting you when you've got the virus, and you could be negative this morning and positive this afternoon. Uh, and we don't even have a case definition, which is the first thing for epidemiology. What do we call a case? Every state's got their own definition. Yeah. We've got 50 different case definitions. It's ridiculous. But, but that's going to all start coming back together. You asked about the future. We are going to start going back to work one way or another. And work is going to be very different. I know you guys mentioned Larry David. You made fun of my name yesterday. But you do Dr. <laughs> I, got, I got something to say about that, too, by the way, just to, to digress. Um, yeah. When I was in Atlanta at CDC, there were three Murray Cohen's in Atlanta. Uh, back then, there were, were things like um, phone books. And in the New York City phone book, there was an entire page of Murray Cohen's, Sure. <laughs> So I'll be happy to go on Larry David's show anytime.
1: Well, thank you for your time this morning. It was very enlightening. We'll end with this. Do you think we're learning uh, as a country lessons or maybe changing policy permanently that will benefit us in 30, 50 years if there was like, I don't know, bioterrorism, let's just say? Is this helping maybe long term along those lines?
2: Sure, absolutely. And it's not going to be 30 years. It's going to be three years. Things like hand washing which has always been needed and never been done. I think people are going to get used to washing their hands a lot more.
0: I'm even
1: I using think, soap,
2: I'm, Jerry? Yes, Torch yes. started I, using <laughs> <the> soap. <laughs> I, th- I
1: think
2: that I think that you know, handshakes are probably, you know, a thing of the past. My grandkids will see movies people shaking hands and laugh. Say, What's wrong with those people? Yeah. Uh, there's going to be new kinds of ways of greeting. I think the kind of telecommuting that companies and employees for so long have said, oh, we can't do that. Well, guess what? They're gonna say we did that and our quarter looks pretty good. So things like holding meetings, you know a lot more uh, technology is gonna be used for stuff like this, a lot less direct interaction. I think that's gonna make our lives uh, less stressful, hopefully, and and probably our, our businesses more efficient, hopefully.
1: Well, we're, so, we're gonna keep your the- number here in studio. You're gonna be our go-to guy.
2: I am happy to talk with you anytime. I I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much, Dr. Cohen. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Jerry.